Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Well, we're in our series, Binge Worthy. If you think that the Netflix, and by the way, Netflix, Hulu, all the rest are binge worthy. Let me just tell you, Scripture is very, very binge worthy. And we've, we want to go through this as, as we're doing this in the series. What I want you to do is to see the Bible investigated in various ways and then feel comfortable yourself of learning it and beginning to dip into it and go a little bit further. Because, listen, to be, to be very truthful, the Bible's not that easy to understand. Maybe you've got it all figured out, but I do this for a living, and it's work every week. So I don't, I don't want to pretend that you say, you know, oh, it's, I'm kind of having a hard time. I would go, you should be having a hard time. It's not that easy. You know, some will say it should be easy to understood. Maybe it is in certain circumstances, but you can find yourself off out in the ditch somewhere trying to overcorrect over to the other side, and it can be very, very tricky. And so... Uh, we're going to introduce later on some classes for those of you who are interested, those of you who, are, who would say, look, I need to know more about Scripture, but I just want a baseline level. I'm going to be teaching a class. It'll be like four weeks, so we'll offer it throughout the year so that you can come get a basic understanding and have some confidence in going through Scripture. All right, with that being said, though, what we're, we're, once again, last week we did an investigation looking into Scripture and see what it means based upon culture and so forth. And so today we're going to be looking at Jesus investigated, but Jesus exposed. Question is, what does it mean to be free? Okay? What, does it, what in the world does it mean to be free in any way? What, what, is, what does that mean? You know, when I think of, you know, freedom oftentimes, I think of those car commercials. I think every car commercial was made for a guy somehow, one way or another. But you see some driving along, they're right next to the coast, everything's wonderful. And just out of nowhere, here comes these wild horses running alongside them. And it's just like, yeah, I'm like a wild horse out here. I'm free, you know. Uh, but there's this idea that goes back to the beginning that there should be, with, in the human experience, this detachment and freedom to do exactly what you want to do and be who you want to be, even if that means being free from God. You know, today we're going to talk a lot about structures, structures of human power and how that relates to God and so forth. And in thinking about that, I pulled out and read... Uh, Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and Engels. Uh, I had read it years before, but I thought it'd be worth reading again. And as I read through it, 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 it sort of expresses some of the feelings that we have in the world, that there are those who are being oppressed and there are those that are the oppressors. You have the proletariat and then you have the bourgeoisie. And this all the structures, even including the church, they would say, are, are brought together to keep a certain group of people poor and another group of people wealthy based upon the poverty and the oppression of a, of a 
of a group of people that has no representation. And so here was their proposal of how we make the changes. And the proposal can sort of sound good until you start looking at it in real time, in real life. Because it doesn't involve freedom and freeing people. It involves greater oppression by a governmental entity. And I've kind of gone over my notes from Alexander Solonitsyn's um, Gulag Archipelago, where he describes in detail what that kind of ideology looked like within Stalin's country. And it was just horrific the way that people would turn upon one another and use force and coercion and death and torture and mayhem on such a wide, wide scale, broad scale, that the idea of being free and getting there is, is in one direction, but I'm going to commit to you today that Jesus exposes his heart and shows us a way to freedom that is unparalleled in human experience today. Yes, we're going to look at what it means to thrive as a human being in relationship to Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, we, we ask that you would speak to us this morning, teach us this morning, give us understanding, Lord, so that we can draw near to you, so that we can hear the voice of wisdom and reason that you have echoed throughout our lives, throughout this world, throughout your book. And Lord, we pray that, as always, that we would be continually transformed further into your image, Lord, thriving as we abide in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal. He had been speaking publicly about the kingdom of God. He had been speaking to the, to the tribes of Israel. He was speaking to those living in Israel as the Messiah who had come to fulfill all the promises of God to that people group. Well, in doing so, he pulls a group aside and he begins to speak to them openly. I'm going to read this same verse in the message translation. It said, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. Notice the switch. The Father has given me all things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation. Coming out of the Father, the son, Father and Son's intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, and no nor the Father the way the Son does. Now get this, but I'm not keeping it to myself. He's opening up the vault. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone who is willing to listen. Anyone who's willing to listen. He's making the comment here that he says, listen, I've been saying that the kingdom of God is near, performing miracles, doing all the things in fulfillment and right in line with God's Messiah to Israel. But I'm telling you, the relationship I have with the Father is totally unique, but I'm going to open up the vault and I will tell anyone who will listen. We mentioned last week, the Bible was not written 
to you and I. It was not written to us. However, it was written down for us. It isn't a direct love letter to you. It was written to certain people at a certain time, but it was written down for the benefit of anyone who would read it, anyone who would take it in, and anyone who would understand it. All right, this is what he says after that. In speaking to the people, he says, listen, I'm not keeping anything back. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. The word that is used here for weary uh, in the Greek language literally means to be worn out, to be weary, to be uh, weary of one's labor and toil, to be filled, used in the absolute sense of the word, completely tuckered out, dog tired, as we'd say back in Texas. And he said, those of you who are weary and those of you who are burdened. The word that is spoken of here to use, that is used for burden simply means this. You're not only burdened, but you're overburdened. It's something that you could see if you were loading a boat. You would say, that boat's not safe anymore because it is overburdened. It's overloaded, okay? And so uh, an animal, a beast of burden who would carry the loads, you'd say, it's going to buckle <clears throat> under that load. And he says, he looks at humanity and he says, whew, a lot of you are heavy laden and burdened down. That is a very common, common description of the way people live, even today. We don't have the same burdens, but uh, how many of you feel tired at the end of the week, at the end of the day? Thought of is this bill going to get paid? What's going to happen in our country? What's happening in the world? Burdens abound to over being overwhelmed. All right, here's another picture that Jesus gives us. A little bit earlier over in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion, literally moved within his body. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. <clears throat> Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And what this means is that for most of humanity, we have experienced a world being run by tyrants with fear and with power, placing burdens on the weak and the helpless and the poor. But the problem is, is that we think that we know how to respond to that, but there's, there's, a, there's an axiom that, I think, axiom that I think is important for us to, to, to grasp and to agree with, and that is this, that whenever you solve one problem, it seems that you create ten more. Can anybody say amen to that? Hey, we figured it all out. Only problem is that it's ruining everything else. That's humanity. We're so good at that. We're so good at it. It seems like it's, it's almost impossible for us to get away from it. Very few solutions haven't caused equal or greater 
problems. And so it comes in by force. Now, verse 25 of Matthew 20, in the message translation, Jesus speaking to his disciples draws a distinction and a contrast between the way that he wants things done and the way that the typical world leader gets things done. So Jesus got them together to settle things down. He said, you've observed that the godless rulers throw their weight around. How quickly a little power goes to their heads. It's not going to be that with you. Whoever wants to be great must become your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He has come to serve, not to be served, and to give away his life, get this, in exchange for many who are held ransom. What, so what is the picture he's given us? They're like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd are unprotected. Sheep without a shepherd are vulnerable. Sheep without a shepherd aren't able to find their own food. Sheep without a shepherd are, are confused and scared and, and so easily to be harmed and manipulated. And he said, this is the group of people. There are no true shepherds out there. And if anybody does find them, they use them for themselves, their own abuse. And he says to his disciples, they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And uh, he says, guys, this has nothing to do with me and the way that I'm getting this stuff done. I'm telling people, you're tired of this system. You are burdened and heavy laden. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And doesn't that sound good for the weary soul? Come on in and rest. Mm. The older I get, when I hear that term rest, it just sounds so wonderful. And, and, you know, people will talk about, you know, I don't want to go to a rest home. I'm like, I don't know. It sounds pretty good. I don't just, just the name. What do you do there? We rest. Oh, pretty good. Nap time. Here. Anyway, anyway I, I digress. But he says here that... <clears throat> There's something beyond coming to me. In coming to me, he says, take my yoke, in verse 29, and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <clears throat> when he's speaking of the term, using the term yoke, he's not talking about a part of an egg. Okay, everybody knew that. Anyway, he's talking about a harness that would fit upon a horse or some other beast of burden, a large animal, and they would be used to like plow a field or carry a load or whatever it may be, okay? And, and so he said, you need to take upon this, this harness upon you. But here's what's interesting. He said that I'm gentle and lowly of spirit. So, it's hard for me to relate to an oxen. I don't know. Maybe it's just their language. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I, I don't get it. But who doesn't sort of love 
a horse and the mystery of a horse. And they're, they're both beasts of burdens. They both have advantage to mankind. But it, a horse is something that we, we sort of bear interest in, and I think they're cl- more closely related in relationship to humans. Now, don't get me wrong. I love cows. They're delicious. And so, really, I just... I know. That hurt your feelings, but it's okay. Now... <clears throat> Horses are special because they have what I would say is a a true symbiotic relationship with human beings. And if that relationship is beneficial and beneficent, uh, extending from the human to the horse, then the horse begins to truly flourish. I have a friend who goes to this fellowship, so I I wanted to talk to him about um, uh, horse training because he works for a nonprofit outfit here in Albuquerque that takes in abused and neglected and abandoned horses. And they care for the horses. And the horses who've been abused, even though they've been somewhat domesticated, uh, they're very skittish of other human beings. I mean, of human beings. They're, They're afraid of them. And so they typically stay away. And it's hard to get the horse to a state where they're able to get the care that they need. In order for them to get the care that they need, they actually need the halter or the yoke to be placed upon them. But it's a lot to get them there. He said, the first thing you need to know about a horse is that when you, if you want to say hello to a horse, you put your hand out and you turn your head away. You don't stare at them, and eventually they'll come up, sniff your hand, and that's a how do you do. It's, it's the path of least intimidation. He said, here's what it really requires to train a horse and to get a horse to where it will trust you. He said it takes, number one, patience. Patience is, is a virtue that is needed. He said gentleness, trust, understanding, because what you're building and what the horse actually wants is a relationship with you. In order for that to happen, all of this has to be established by consistent behavior and constant signaling to the horse that I'm not going to do something horrible to you. So Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, my halter, my harness. Take it upon you. Why? Because he uses a couple of words here. I'm gentle, humble, and I'm humble in, in heart. I am gentle in spirit, humble in heart. The word there that is used, gentle, I been a long time studying it last week, is the, is the Greek word pros. And it was used of something that was mild, something that was tame, especially of large animals, something that was gentle, gentle or pleasant, okay, or lenient. And it would be, a, the, the idea is that it was a large animal, be an animal that uh, could do a lot of damage, but it was gentle, so much so that you trusted it and you knew that it wasn't going to tear anything up. In fact, oftentimes it's, it's translated meekness that you find in the New Testament. But it was also used of someone who was very friendly. It would be sort of, it's, it's, it's looked at as a character trait of someone who was of, of high moral material, someone that stood out in the crowd, someone that could get along with almost anybody. Not that they were being fake to fit in, but they seemed to be gentle with other people in, in so much so as that they could enjoy people from every different experience. It was even 
<clears throat> touted as, as sort of a royal nature of, of rulers who were those who could truly love the people that were under them. And they were known for the way that, that they were, that the, the way that they cared for the people with benevolence and the people loved them, even though they may be very strict and <laughs> very um, vengeful against their enemies, they were known for the way that they cared for the people under their authority. And, and in a general sense, this is someone who was a minch, if you've ever heard the word. But just a very good person. Someone that you can trust. And Jesus says, I'm that person. You can totally trust me. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Literally, this word means uh, having a position socially that is no particular um, position to be desired. It's a lowly position. It's not something that people would say, oh, I have always wanted to hold that position in the world. It, it goes back to the idea that he said, look, if you want to be great, you need to be a slave. In those days, nobody wanted to be a slave. They were ill-treated. They were the property of someone else. He said, why would you want that? Because, he said, I didn't come here to do it the way that everybody's been doing it. Grabbing of power, abuse, abuse, take advantage. Grab power, abuse, abuse, take advantage. That's the way you guys do it. Not so in my kingdom because I'm opening up and showing you all things about who I really am. And I'm willing to be patient and gentle and kind, and if you're tired and weary, why don't you come to me? Why don't you just come on to me? And, and it, it reminded me as I was reading this this week about the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. He said, these are things that the Christian person should exhibit. Why? Because that's what Jesus exhibits. He said, I and my Father are one. The Holy Spirit has come from me to teach you all things concerning me. He's no different with Him and the Father. There's no different with Him and the Holy Spirit. It's just purely function. But it's the same God. We're getting a window into the heart of God fallen mankind left to our own devices is somewhat vicious and unruly. And God says, Jesus says, come on in. Come in here and take my yoke and things will change. I asked my friend, horse trainer, careful. I asked him, I said, what, what do you do? How do you start? He said, well, you have to Get out there and be among the horses. They may run over to the other side of the pen, but even though if they do, you have to, to go stand out there and be with them. He said, but the, the way you do it is you put something in your pocket, a treat that the horse loves. And you don't necessarily have to hold it out or call them or anything. You just put it in your pocket. And they're curious, just like human beings are curious. And so they're wondering, what, the, what do you got in your pocket over there? I can smell it from here. And eventually they make it over to you when they feel comfortable enough to you to do. 
and they pull it out, and you don't force it upon them. You just hold your hand out, and they begin to feed from you, and they, they come to learn over time and persistence that you're someone to be trusted. A relationship is being built. He said it's different, though, sometimes when you, when you have to deal with some particular horse that has been wild by nature. Say, take the descendants of the Spanish Mustangs here in New Mexico. Tell me of a particular trainer who, who's had to spend a lot of time with these horses because they were the beautiful horses running out there in the wild next to, you know, to the cars, the wild Mustangs. But even they are not flourishing the way that they could being in a symbiotic relationship with a human being. We were meant to be together and to flourish together. So, what do they do? Well, the big thing... Is, is to get the horse to trust you enough to where they can put that halter around the head so that the halter can be like a yoke. It allows the horse to be led in safety and so that there's no confusion, okay? And once that takes place, then you can begin the process of filing their teeth down, cleaning up their, their hooves, uh, picking out all the garbage that could result in infection and the parasites and the stuff in their ears, brushing them, cleaning them, everything that they need, feeding them food, depends upon really getting this halter around them. And so Jesus looks at a world that of domesticated people that are worried and burdened down, and he says, come to me, and I'll lift that burden off of you, because my burden's easy, my burden's light. And then he also calls out to the wild, who are out there running. Woohoo! And he says, how's that working out for you? How's your hooves messed up? How's your teeth growing too long? How's your ankle? There's an abscess in it. How about that food that you ate? Well, not good. Come on in. But you're going to have to take my bridle. We're not going to do it your way. You willingly have to submit to my leading, period, in order for you to get better, in order for you to flourish. I love that about God. He says, you're free out there. You're doing your thing. How's that working out for you? Tired? Weary? Come on over here. But we're not going to do it your way. Because every time you solve a problem, you create ten more. We can't afford to do it your way. Right? It's a long process. But how do they get the halter? Well, they take the halter and then they let the horse smell of it. They put it on the horse's neck. They put it on the ground. They let the horse play with it. And eventually they slide it over the head when the horse finally trusts them and then they're able to lead them gently. I said, well, how do, you, how do you get them to get on their back? He said, this one particular trainer would get a stool, set it on the, on the ground, and then would step up on the horse and just lay on the horse's back for a long time and do that daily until the horse finally felt comfortable and then eventually would get up on the horse and the horse would do well. I have another friend who grew up on a horse ranch. And he said, in the early days in my youth, I was shocked to see the way that they would break a horse. 
What they would do, he said, you get about three guys out there and you get a big strong stallion and you take big wooden clubs and you would, they would beat the horse into submission to the point to where he was afraid to do anything else. The problem with that is that it traumatizes the horse forever and the horse has a relationship with you based upon fear. Does it sound anything familiar with the worldly leadership that constantly tries to put everything in by force? It's abusive. And Jesus said, I'm not going to do it that way. Remember the movie, The Horse Whisperer? I thought that was a funny name until I watched the movie, and I thought it was pretty good. But I concluded that Robert Redford was never closer to being like Jesus than he was in that movie. Because he whispers. What does he call it? The still, small voice. And so I wondered. I wondered about all of this, and I said to my friend, eventually all of these analogies break down. I got this whole analogy going here, and I know it's going to break down. But he said, each horse is individual just like every human being is individual. They have their own personality. And each horse, horse needs humans in order to thrive. Now, what's interesting about all this is that as I think about it, I wonder how what is the real process of getting a horse to trust you? And my friend said this. He said, I quote, you get a horse to trust you by respecting their free will. Whoa, I'm astonished. What are you talking about? He said, in the real way the horse is able to come under your control is when it finally trusts that you're not trying to control it, period. Now, I know that may be a hard time for some of you with your theology. I really don't care. Um, The Bible has always given me a hard time about my theology, too, so why should you be any different? But the idea is, is that, he said, if the horse gets a sense that you're not going to try to control it, the horse will come to you freely on its own accord. And Jesus said, I'm not going to make you do this. You have to want this, and I'll bring you in to me, and you will flourish. It's completely flip-flop from the rest of the world. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. If you need to hear anything today, friends, if you've never given your life to Christ, you've never submitted to Him, you're just running around out there doing your thing, you're burdened down, today's the day you should give your life to the Lord. You should freely surrender and begin to flourish and let Him near you and begin to to build you up. He said, come, learn from me. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm not going to harm you. I'm going to I'm going to care for you. And you may be here thinking, Dave, I've been around the Lord for a while, but I think I got out of the corral a few years ago. I've been doing things my way, and I'm so 
burdened down. But today's a day of a fresh start. Once again, to put that bridle back, back on. Put it back on. And be, and be cared for and learn to flourish and to be trained by the Lord himself and his word. Listen. To reject his yoke is to accept our own prerogative. In order to take his yoke, we have to reject our prerogative and see that he has something better with him. Some reward, some relationship. God's not going to force it on you. But he's waiting for you. To any that will listen to any that will pay attention. There's a lot going on politically, right? We have a big virus that somehow national health care has become politicized. All of this conjecture from one side to the other. What's going to happen with the economy? What about the new variant? You know, we have the Delta variant right now. I've heard that there may be a Southwest Airlines Delta, uh, variant coming soon. <laughs> a jet blue. It's what viruses do. It's so easy to get pulled into the muck and pulled into all of these burdens. Folks, turn away. Look to the Lord and go to Him and let Him give you rest. Many of us need rest. Receive it from the Lord, for it's real. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, just bow your heads for a moment. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. If you want to get serious about your relationship with God, just raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you this morning. It won't take much time, right? Anybody else? And let's say you're here and you say, I've, I really need to come back to the Lord. I'm not in the fold. I, I've been out there and I just need prayer. Would you lift up your hand? I'll be glad to pray for you. No one's sneaking a peek. It's just me. All right. Someone in the back. Amen. Anybody else? All right. I see it, sis. Well, Father, I thank you this morning that we can come to you, that we can get things straight, that, Lord, we can once again return into your fold and to receive the benefits, Lord, of being under your yoke. Lord, we pray that we would only receive the burdens that you give us and reject those, Lord, that so easily distract us and weigh us down. And that, Lord, that we would in turn take that perspective and begin to love a world and call out to those who are tired and weary and heavy laden. Lord, help us to bring others to you so that they might find rest, real rest, in the heart of the true and living God. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand, we'll sing a song.
This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.